Ladies and gentlemen, to another great edition of that sports show. Not just any sports show, not this sports show, no, that sports show. Coming to you a little later than we would definitely like this week. But hey, Beggars Can't Be Choosers was a, uh, a good holiday week, but it, uh, it played havoc with our actual weekly schedule. Uh, I'm your host, Jeremy the Impact York. Before we get into things like the Falcons and the NFL, the Atlanta Hawks, a little bit of World Cup, a little bit of United, and uh, some college news, because it was a crazy day in college today. I'm just going to get into a couple things. The coaching carousel there. Uh, let me tell you that if you would like to contact the show or leave us a rating, review, comment, question, suggestion, any of those sorts of things, you can do so by emailing us, 3endzone at gmail.com. That is the number 3. E-N-D-Z-O-N-E at gmail.com. You can also look for us on Facebook. Whether that is Impact Media, Jeremy York, That Sports Show, any of those should pull us up. If you want to find, if you want to just click on a link and listen to a show, you can do so by going to Twitter at Team Impact Media. You just uh, go to that. Click, uh, find the corresponding show, click on it, and listen as many times as you want. There's no limit, no cap on it. Um, you can also you can also follow myself on Twitter, Triller, TikTok, and Instagram at the Impact 99 for show-related things, show links as well, and a lot of stuff away from the show. And you can look for us anywhere you find a podcast, including Spotify the iTunes Store, or Podcast One. If there is a place that you regularly find a podcast that you cannot find us, please let us know, and we will remedy that accordingly. So, let's get into some NFL talk. And I want to start with the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons, who um, narrowly beat the Bears, but I told you guys they beat the Bears. They beat the Bears. Uh, Young Way Koo with the 53-yard field goal that gets them 27-24. to But let's talk a little bit about this game. Uh, Drake London catches a, a touchdown. Um, Cordero Patterson with his record-breaking 103-yard kickoff return. Uh, it, it was just wow. Um, the only person that could stop him was the, the guy who who kicked off and uh, he he looked like a deer in headlights when he came running past him. Uh, like I said, his ninth, I think, career kickoff return for a touchdown. And also I believe that it's a Falcons record as he beat Eric Weems, who did 102. This was 103. And uh, what a spectacular run that was. Uh, Young Way Koo with the 40-yard field goal to close out this the half. And uh, Mariota fi- finds a way to scamper in. And then Koo, of course, at the end to 
pretty much put this one away because he did it as time ex well not as time expired there was still a little bit of time left but not enough for the Bears to do much Justin Fields did get dinged up and hurt a little bit in this but he did finish the game so uh, it's a good win though you know this this puts the Falcons at five and six I've told you guys I thought now early in the season I thought this team was a four or five win team. As things started to progress and things started to pick up, um, I got them closer to 500. And you can't finish 500 anymore because of the odd number of games. But I got them at seven or eight wins. They, I think they're going to be right there at that. And I know a lot of people say, well, they're at five and six right now. Yeah, I, I got them at uh, probably three to four more wins this year that they're going to get. I think that's going to show that they are further ahead of the game had previously expected, and they're going to be right there at the top of the division. Not for the last time, because I feel like I'm going to have to say this every week. Marcus Mariota is your quarterback. As long as you are in contention, some people said they're not in contention. They're a game back. They're a game back, guys. You know, figure it out. As long as you're in contention, you go with what you know, and what you know is what Mariota can give you. We don't know what Desmond Ritter can give you. Plus, we don't know if he can beat Mariota out in practice because he hasn't done it yet. He hasn't made a strong enough case to potentially unseat him. So, it is what it is. Uh, right now, your Atlanta Falcons are a half game out of first place in the NFC South. They're in second place by a full game over the Saints who are still having issues. And they are two games over Carolina, who continues to have issues. As I said, you stick with, you will stick with this game plan. You stick with, uh, it looks like Pitts got a little dinged up at the end of this one. He may miss some time here or there. It didn't look super serious, but you err on the side of caution. Uh, they have a very winnable game this Sunday. As tomorrow, as this will post on Saturday afternoon, I believe, maybe evening. Producer Sassy's telling me closer to evening, probably. Uh, tomorrow at 1 on Fox, of course, here locally, we will definitely get that game. They will take on the Washington Commanders, who only have them by a game. Washington is 6-5, and five, which is honestly a couple games better than I thought they would be at this point. Our Atlanta Falcons come in. Um, looks like Taylor Heineke is going to be the quarterback. He is probably the best quarterback they have, and this team likes to really play for him. Um, you've got to watch. You got to watch Gibson in this one. Antonio Gibson has uh, had a pretty good run of things here as of late. He has three touchdowns, almost 450 yards, and 120 carries. Um, outside of having two less touchdowns, that he is basically our or the Falcons. I say are it's it's not. I don't play for the team. Tyler Algier or Algier, however you say his name, uh, he basically has those same stats. He has about 40 more yards, but he only has the one touchdown. That's. I mean, I, I don't. Those are similar players. Now, the difference is, is Washington only has, I think, one more runner behind him that's really good. 
there's a three-headed attack coming out of the backfield for Atlanta, and I think that is a strong point for them. We'll talk about the keys here in a second. Uh, Scary Terry on their side, 50 receptions, almost 800 yards, two touchdowns. You're going to have to find a way to bracket him, which means you put a guy on him up close and you put somebody over the top to help with whatever uh, he gets into. You want to keep Scary Terry out of the end zone. Terry McLaurin. Here's something that a bunch of Atlanta fans do not know. The leading receiver, yards-wise right now, for Atlanta is Drake London. 39 receptions, 409 yards, 4 touchdowns. But yeah, you got, oh, they never use him. They never throw to him. Really, they've thrown to him at least 39 times. Going about close to 50. Probably the half of the non-receptions his fault, half Mariota. Maybe a little more Mariota. We'll see if we actually looked at them, but they're using Pitts. They're using London. They are easing them into this offense instead of what most people do is they draft these rookies, they put them in starting positions, and then they just make them figure it out. They're easing these guys in. As the season has progressed, we're seeing more from Pitts. We're seeing more from London. We're seeing them block more as well as helping with the run game. We're seeing them get open. They're learning to be good receivers. Instead of just coming out of the gate and just trying to figure it out Wild Wild West style, they're trying to teach them to be good receivers. Uh, looks like the main – looks like Pitts could actually play. I do not see him on the injury list. I only see Adaga, the offensive tackle. I see Felipe Franks, the tight end. I see uh, Abitkati, the defensive end, the defensive tackle, Jalen Dalton. I also see Caleb Huntley. Um, the only one who looks doubtful, though, is Dalton, the defensive tackle. The rest of them are questionable. That means there's a one out of four chance they don't play. They could, they could all be that one chance, but who knows. Uh, the commanders list two people out including corner Benjamin St. Just. Um, Caleb Holcomb, or Cole Holcomb, rather, is on the injured reserve, and uh, Chase Young and Logan Thomas may not play. That could be big. Chase Young, one of their best pass rushers. Logan Thomas, by far their best tight end, one of their best pass catchers. Um, The Falcons do outscore them, uh, the commanders, by about four points per game. And as far as points allowed, they score about five more, or they allow five more. Uh, total yards is pretty pretty similar. Obviously, the Commanders will outpass our Falcons, but they drastically outrush them. The Falcons outrush the Commanders. Um, the Falcons are two and three in their last five. And Washington is four and one. They uh, they have had a pretty good slate of it though. Uh, they took on a, a beaten up Green Bay team, a struggling Indianapolis Colts team. The Vikings figured out a way to just barely beat them. They beat the best team in the NFC, the Eagles. They give them a lot of credit for that. And beat them by eleven, by the way. And then they blew out the probably number one draft pick earning Houston Texans. So, you know, it is what it is. As far as 
the Falcons. They had the big win over Chicago. They had the stinker that they should have lost by way more than 10 to Carolina. They narrowly lost to the Chargers. They beat Carolina in overtime by scoring 37 points, by the way. And uh, then they woke up the Bengals, who were able to defeat them there. This game is going to be at FedEx Field. Uh, it's going to be about the same weather that it is here. I think it's it's going to be around 55-ish. Probably not going to rain. Uh, Washington is a four-point favorite, which means they're a one-point favorite on a neutral site. And the over-under is 40-and-a-half. I would say with these two teams... I would take the over because if they both average scoring more than 20, that's going to be over 40. So to score 41, I would definitely take that. Here are my keys to victory. Um, key number one, let's keep Heineke and Scary Terry from blowing up the scoreboard. That's... That's key number one. I think you got to blanket McLaurin like a uh, McLaurin, like I said. I think you got to force Heineke um, to to make decisions faster than he wants to. Now he's a guy you can flush him out and he can make plays. And if he stands tall in the pocket, he can make plays as well. So I would kind of advise just make him uncomfortable, kind of knock him around a little bit legally, you know, after the bell stuff, uh, and then blanket bracket McCory, uh, McLaurin, like I said where you put a guy on him face-to-face, physical, up front, and you put somebody over the top in case he breaks free. Key number two. Key number two is they normally do pretty well against the rush. So I know that rushing is how you will probably set up your game, and that's not a bad idea to set it up that way. However, I would focus more on the short passes, the intermediate passes. I don't need Mario throwing down downfield a whole lot. You can catch London on these slants, uh, pits over the middle if you see him there. There are different ways to still do short plays without running the ball, and I think that is going to be a way to capitalize on this defense, especially if Chase Young's not in the game. That's definitely what you need to do. Uh, and key number three. This is a theme all week long. Win the turnover battle. If you throw a couple interceptions or put the ball on the ground a couple times, Washington is going to beat you. They're just a quirky enough team to where they can find a way to beat you. So that would be my three keys. If they do at least two of those three, I would say the Falcons are going to win this game. It's going to be a fun game. I can't wait to watch it. You guys can't as well, but to recap. Key number three, win the turnover battle. Key number two, let's use some short and intermediate passes that are just as good as runs, and that will set up. That will open up our run game a little bit because they will have to sit back to anticipate the passes. We're going to use the passes to do the run. Don't need a bunch of downfield stuff. Just little short things work fine. And then key number one, we've got to keep Heineke uh, uncomfortable in the pocket and Scary Terry from blowing up the scoreboard, so we're going to bracket him. That's are the things that if you do, I believe you should be able to get a victory. Uh, as far as the NFL, just a bunch of injuries here and there. There is not a bunch 
of uh, big time things going on outside of uh, a bunch of injuries. Not a lot of big things at the moment. Um, I mean, Denver got rid of Melvin Gordon. They they waived him. He just he wasn't doing much anyway. So maybe he'll have a chance to get on with somebody else. But um, other than that, it's just um, I'm saying I'm a lot. There is a couple races that are still kind of going, but beyond that, not a lot going on in the league. San Francisco and Seattle have the dead even tie in the West. It's pretty much a two-team race at that point. I told you about the South. In the North, uh, Minnesota holds a five-game lead over Detroit and Green Bay and a six-game lead over Chicago. I would about pencil that in as, as done. Um, the NFC East is actually tighter than it looks as only three games separate Philadelphia and first with nine wins with Washington with six in last place. It goes nine wins, Philadelphia, eight for Dallas, seven for the Giants, six for Washington. That is going to be a fun race to watch because nobody is technically out of it. And I would say, honestly, that on any given day, any of them could beat the others. Kansas City holds a three-game lead over the Chargers, and they are five over Las Vegas and Denver. Something's going to happen in Las Vegas. I, I don't think it's a firing, but there, something different is going to happen next year. The Titans hold a three-game lead over the Colts and a four-game lead over the Jaguars, and Houston is trying to figure out who they're going to pick first next year. And the AFC North... Baltimore is only a game over Cincinnati, who has woken up. And remember, they are the defending AFC champions from last year. And Cleveland and Pittsburgh are probably eye in the draft. And then finally, Buffalo has a one-game lead over Miami and a two-game lead over the Jets and the Patriots. There's something to talk about right there. The Jets have officially benched. Uh, their quarterback, otherwise known as Zach Wilson. Um, you could say, oh, he's five and two, uh, but I, I would say he's probably two and two, and the rest of those wins don't have much to do with him. Um, I'm not sure. It's, is Flacco still the backup there? It's, Flacco is probably the backup. So I think Flacco, no. I heard Mike White is starting, actually, with Flacco probably as the backup. They do have Chris Streveler on the roster as well. My guess it will be Mike White and Joe Flacco because Mike White did some good things when Sam Darnold was hurt a couple years ago. So um, I look for that. That's that's probably the next biggest story out of the NFL. Uh, let's talk some Atlanta Hawks. Our Hawks have been doing pretty good. They've been hanging in there. They've had some tough games here and there. Um, their last four games, they beat the the Raptors by two in overtime. Not sure if we had talked about that before or not, but um, that was a great alley oop to. We got those points. I know I should know. I think Trey threw it up to or tossed up the ball to. Uh, the, the guy that scored all the points that night, AJ Griffin. Yep. For the OT win at the buzzer. That was fantastic. 
they followed it up a couple days later by uh, losing to the Cavs in Cleveland, 114-102. to That's fine. You can't win them all. They then come home and destroy the, the Hawks, 115-106. to Always good to win at home. It's good to win some on the road, but you want to win as, as many as you can at home. Uh, big scores on that one were Trey Young with 35. And uh, DeJounte Murray had 15, along with a bunch of really good stats. Because he is helping my fantasy team that you probably do not care about. But, hey, I picked a lot of my youngest nephew's favorite players, and we are winning. So that's all that matters. Shout out to him for telling me a lot of the people to pick. And then uh, they go to Houston. They lose by six to the Rockets. It happens. They, they did a pretty good job. They hung with them. The Rockets are, are a pretty decent team. And uh, they kind of threw away great performances by DeJounte Murray, who had 39 points. Trey Young, who had 44. And uh, Akongwu, who had 11 rebounds. It's just the thing that, that kills them a lot is the bench play, and they AJ Griffin had that standout game, but they can't rely on bench points, and that is not doing great things for them. Now they will play tomorrow at home. They will host the Heat, that they are a couple team, a couple games better than. They're eleven and eight on the season, by the way. They're six point favorites. That is a five p.m. tip off. They will also play on Monday. Uh, in Philadelphia versus the 76ers, 7 p.m. tip-off there on NBA TV. And on Wednesday, depending on when we do this show, may or may not have done it by then, uh, they will be in Orlando to take on the Magic. They should be able to trounce the Magic pretty well. That's 7 p.m. Uh, tip-off for that one. I think our Hawks are, are doing pretty good. It's good that Trey Young has the running mate in DeJounte Murray. Um, as CC and OO, as people like to call them, uh, Kongwu and Capella are doing good. It's nice when AJ Griffin does things off the bench. Uh, I need to see more off the bench. That is one of the main things that has plagued this team for a couple years. And it's hard because there's so much parity, there's so much talent in the league that it's spread out. A lot of times where you would normally have... Uh, two to three really good bench players, they typically are now starters or sixth men on other teams. They would normally be your six, seven, eight. They are the six somewhere else. That's just kind of how it's went. So uh, I think we do have some really great bench players. I don't, you know, people say all the time, oh, we have a garbage bench. I don't think so. We have some really good players on the bench. We just need more production out of them instead of relying on Trey and DeJounte to seemingly carry uh, the entire team. But I have faith in the Hawks. As I said, they are... They are first in their conference, or in their division, rather. They hold a game lead over Washington. And they are fifth, yeah, fifth in the conference, just a half game behind uh, the Indiana Pacers, and a game behind Cleveland for third. I like a lot of stuff they're doing. 
Go out and see Hawks games. We'd love to see you guys at Hawks games and Falcons games. Love to see those on social media. Appreciate you guys for tagging us in some of those. And uh, hope to see you guys at some games coming up maybe uh, first of the year. Uh, but for now, let's go take a break and tell you a little bit about our friends at BetOnline.net. And when we come back, we will talk some World Cup, some United, and some college coaching carousel news as some bombshells were dropped today. One I absolutely predicted, a couple more I didn't see coming. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey, this is Jeremy the Impact York from the Impact Media family of podcasts. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest ways to get your betting fix. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we're back here on That Sports Show. Make sure to go see our friends at BetOnline.net. They have the articles, they have the betting lines, the wagering lines, the opportunities. They have the podcast that whether uh, whether you bet, whether you like to bet, whether you are allowed to bet, if you're, maybe you're not allowed to bet where you are, maybe your other half is telling you you can't bet, uh, you can still go use uh, all the information they give you there, the podcast and the articles and, and even the wagering lines to uh, we use them a lot for this show, some of the wager lines and things, to tell you guys, uh, advise you guys how we would bet if we bet. But uh, BetOnline.net, they have all of that. Make sure to go tell them that Impact Media sent you. They'd love to hear that. We'd love to hear from them that you told them that. Now, talked a little NFL, some Falcons and some Hawks in the first part of the show. We are going to finish up talking about the FIFA World Cup. There have been some fun matchups between today um, and yesterday. Uh, shout out to France for their big win over Denmark, two to nothing. Argentina, including Diego Almada from our Atlanta United, uh, doing a great job over there. The goals in their two to nothing tilt over Mexico were by. Enzo Fernandez, but more importantly, Lionel Messi was in his final World Cup. Argentina is a big favorite. They needed a big, solid win like this to propel themselves up into a good standing of the group stage. And like I said, it's his last. They've had so many opportunities. They were favorites. And they just have not been able to propel Messi into a World Cup victory. Maybe they can this year. Uh, big win by Poland. They won two to nothing over. There it is, Saudi Arabia. Uh, more importantly, Lewandowski finally gets a goal. He is only a couple away from Pele in his career of international goals, but had never scored in World Cup competition. So congratulations to Lewandowski, uh, putting Poland on the map. You know, I had some in-laws that were super excited about that. A lot of Polish. Um, descendants and and, uh, my in-laws and uh, just super cool that they they love their heritage uh, that much Um, what was the other one Australia won to nothing over Tunisia 
And let's talk about those games from yesterday. Iran shocking Wales and beating them two to nothing, uh, putting Wales really behind the eight ball in the group. Uh, it helped when Wayne Hennessy got a red card in the 86th minute because both Iranian goals by Ruzbe, uh Cheshmi in the eighth minute of stoppage time and Ramin Razian in the 11th minute. The fact that there was that many is ridiculous, by the way. But uh, good for Iran. They put themselves in really good contention. I will talk about the standings in a minute. Uh, Qatar, or Qatar, however you want to say it, becomes the the first host country team to be eliminated so early. In uh, from from contention as Senegal beat them three to one. That officially, I think they have one more. They have one more game to play, I believe, but it's not going to matter. They are officially out. Uh, Netherlands and Ecuador tying one to one. That was a fantastic matchup. I was able to see some of that. Um, it uh, it was a good result for Ecuador. The Netherlands needed that win to cement themselves. But I could say that about our next matchup. As England and the U.S., I got to see this game. They had it here at the studio as we were recording shows yesterday. Uh, lots of uh, battle lines drawn here as well. But England versus the U.S., this thing goes nil-nil on the full time. And the U.S. are considering this a win. I don't know if it's necessarily a win. Uh, it's definitely not a loss. Uh, uh, England gets a result. I think all they have to do is beat Iran or or uh, draw with them as well. Uh, the U.S. definitely needs a win because uh, they, they have not had a great World Cup. But as we look at the standings, um, by the way, I will say good effort by the U.S., because they had plenty of chances. They actually should have won this game. But, hey, you come away with points when you need a point, so it's it's better than losing. Uh, right now, Group A, the Netherlands is far ahead. They have four points because they have a win and a draw. Ecuador as well. Senegal has three. That's why I say that Qatar or Qatar is officially out. They have zero. Going into, I mean, any of those, two of those three teams, Senegal, Ecuador, or the Netherlands, have the chance to advance. When is the next time they will play? Next time they will play will be Tuesday. Ecuador will play Senegal, and the Netherlands will play uh, Qatar or Qatar. I've heard it both ways. I would say the Netherlands are probably going to beat Qatar 2-0 or so. So it'll be between Ecuador and Senegal that Senegal basically needs to beat Ecuador in order to advance. Group B, England leads with four points. Iran has three because of their upset win. U.S. has two, and Wales has one. Now, England will play Wales coming up in a couple days. And I think Iran and the U.S. Did I have that correct? Um, or we don't. There it is. There, no. There we go. 
Yeah, Wales and England will play on Tuesday at 2 p.m. on FS1. That will be a big game. All England has to do is draw. I think they're going to go for the win, though. And the Iran and U.S. will um, will play at 2 o'clock on Tuesday as well. That will be on Fox. And why well, they got to put both those games on different channels? That's going to make it difficult. But we have multiple screens here. We'll figure it out. Uh, the U.S. needs a win. And here's the problem. In their last five contests, they have four draws and a loss. In Iran's last five contests, they have three wins, a loss, and a draw. And they're coming off the big win over Wales. So the U.S. is going to have to bring it. And they are, you know, they drew with Wales. They drew with England. And Wales got destroyed by Iran. They're going to have to be on their A game to uh, advance and I do want them to advance. I know people know that England is the team I usually pull for, and I am pulling for them. I want them to win the whole thing. England has been my team for years, but I do want the men's U.S. team to do well. I want them to do well. They deserve it. This is a way better team than they have had in the past for for the last couple of years. So I do want the U.S. to advance. Um, while we're at it, Group C. Poland leads with four, Argentina with three, Saudi Arabia with three as well, and Mexico with one. It's going to take a lot for Mexico to stay in this, and that's crazy because I really thought Argentina would be top of the group, which they could be, and I thought it would be Poland and Mexico battling out for the other, but any of those four teams could technically find a way in. Group D, France is leading with six points. They have submitted themselves into the next round, either as first or second. They cannot be uh, kicked out. Australia has three. Denmark and Tunisia have a point apiece. E, F, G, and H have only played one game apiece. They will be playing in the next few days. Spain and Japan lead Group E with three points. Germany and Croatia, or no, that is Costa Rica. Costa Rica. I always get those backwards. Costa Rica and Germany have zero points because they lost their games. Good for Japan, by the way, on that win. Uh, group F. Belarus and Croatia. There's Croatia. Belarus has three. Croatia and Morocco have one. Is that Morocco? Yes. I recognize the flag. The abbreviations mess me up. And then Canada has... Zero in that. Croatia and Morocco with one. Technically, Canada's not out yet, but uh, losing to Belarus did not help them. Group G has Brazil and Switzerland on top with three apiece. Cameroon and Serbia at a nil-nil tie at the bottom. And Group H, Portugal leads with three. South Korea with one. Uruguay with one. Ghana yet to get on the board. It's been a fun World Cup. It's It's been a little bit like college football this year, where it's a little chaotic, but uh, still fun. Still fun. Kind of like, uh, you know, sometimes you throw a shindig, and you, you got that one friend, a little bit of a wild card. You're like, I don't know. He, he could show up and try to do a keg stand. He could show up dressed as Barney the Dinosaur, or he could just come in and, and want to play Go Fish. It's been fun. It's definitely been um, definitely been a fun time. Uh, I do want to keep it right there on 
You want to keep it right there on football or soccer, however you want to say it. And in doing so, let's talk a little Atlanta United news. Told you about Tiago Almada. Let's talk a little bit about the new top brass. As we now have a new president and CEO, this is the second ever president we have had for the squad. And his name is Garth Lagerway. Garth comes to us from Seattle, so he knows Pineda pretty well. I've called Atlanta Seattle South for the longest time, and I call Seattle Atlanta North. So if we want to bring some of that Seattle culture and hurt the Sounders in the process, I'm all for it. I'm definitely all for it. But Garth Lagerway... Uh, most recently was the general manager and president of soccer for Major League Soccer Seattle Sounders. He has a multi-year contract now that he signed and will assume leadership of Atlanta United, United 2, and the Atlanta United Academy. Uh, he had a great run with Seattle, led the Sounders to the uh, 2022 CONCACAF Champions title earlier this year at the MLS Cup in 2019-2016 and uh, made the cup final a couple of other times. They also reached the league cup final in 2021. Uh, he was also general manager and senior vice president at Real Salt Lake, MLS's other squad out there in Utah. Uh, it got an MLS title in 2009 and had other appearances in the cup final. He's good at building rosters and getting you far in tournaments. Between him and Pineda, I like the tandem. Um, if you guys want to know some of his other stuff, he graduated from Duke in 94. Wow, I just figured out where I was at in 94. That's crazy. Uh, he played five seasons as a goalkeeper in MLS with the Kansas City Wizards, the Dallas Burn, and the Miami Fusion, all franchises that are named something else or defunct. Uh, and he then went on to get his doctorate from Georgetown School of Law. So he understands the business side of things as well, especially the legal aspects. Um, I like I like the hire as Garth. I mean, I would tell you guys if I didn't like it. Um, there are some really good articles. There are some good ones on the Atlanta ATLUTD.com. There's some pretty good stuff on there from him and also Atlanta United News Now on Facebook or follow Doug Robertson on any of the social medias that he on he is on. Doug writes some fantastic pieces on Garth Lagerway and uh, he's the, being the big Seattle fan before Atlanta came to town that Doug is, he is very familiar with him as well and is a big fan of Garth. So I definitely like uh, where things are going. Uh, let's finish up by the three bits of coaching carousel news in college football that we learned today. The one that I that I practically have said and knew for a while, I had a pretty good chance that all Lane Kiffin was going to do was to leverage these jobs against his current job at Ole Miss and get bumped from he makes like six and a half or seven million now. He's gonna probably get closer to nine or ten. 
he needs to be. He's done some fantastic things over at Ole Miss, and he continues to build that program uh, exceptionally. Definitely like where he is going with those. Um, but he's staying at Ole Miss. And why is he staying at Ole Miss? Well, because after the Iron Bowl today, expect Hugh Freeze to be the new Auburn head coach. I could see that. He's a big-time recruiter. He's a big-time um, example setter, I think would be a way to say it. And I think that it, that is what Auburn needs, is they need um, a little more structure and instruction than they do um, than they do other things. And he will help with recruiting and other things like that. We all knew Deion Sanders was not going to Auburn. We know Lane Kiffin was not going to go. Looks like Hugh Freeze is going to be the guy. They didn't want to announce it until after the Iron Bowl. Out of respect for the coaching staff that is there now, expect, for the most part, a pretty a pretty decent turnover with the coaching staff. And it's not because they're bad. He wants his guys in there. It happens. And then lastly, Nebraska has all but inked an eight-year deal. Eight-year deal with former, what, Oklahoma head coach and former Carolina Panthers head coach Matt Rule. Eight-year deal. That tells me they are going to basically gut the program and start over. Like, not get rid of the program. They are going to start almost from scratch. They're giving him two to three years to um, basically to flush out or to graduate the old regime, uh, basically Hugh Freeze's people from before, and to get his guys in there. And then also to uh, to, to get everything going. He's got about two or three years to do that, and then they want a five-year run, especially in the Big 12, in Big 10. That's, that's what I see them as. They're giving him two to three years to revamp and get the magic back going get the playmakers to play hard. And I, I think he could do that. I really thought he was going to sit out a year. I had heard he was not, he, he had already passed on the Nebraska job, but, uh, you know, just even saw on the screen here is we have the USC Notre Dame game, which is, is uh, turned into something crazy, but yeah, eight years. We don't know the terms. We'll see those later. Scott Frost is actually who he got, not Hugh Freeze. Scott Frost was who he uh, replace. We don't know where Frost is going to go yet, but there are going to be some other potential areas. We will talk more candidates this week on the season finale of the uh, Up with the White and Gold Georgia Tech show. And I don't think we're going to have any coaching. We'll, we'll, we're going to talk some coaching-related things for GSU Panthers on, but it's not going to be the head coach. I will uh, let you guys in on a little bit of some stuff that happened at the presser that uh, are going to be must-listen. But that's going to do it for us here on That Sports Show. We have officially run out of things to talk about. Appreciate you guys listening to us late on a Saturday, and we will see you guys hopefully mid-next week to talk more Hawks, Falcons, United, all kinds of fun things coming up. Rugby ATL will be kicking off. Well, starting up pretty soon, and we will be here to tell you all about the roster and the fun things that have happened there. 
But until next time, this has been Jeremy the Impact York. Thanks for tuning in to That Sports Show. We'll see you guys next week. Go Hawks. Go United. Go Falcons. Go Rugby ATL. Deuces, gooses. <laughs>